You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley! It's anger! Let me at him! Fear! Safety checklist is complete! Disgust! Ew! Ew! Ugh. Sadness is in the house! Oh no! Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. While you were skipping stones, building forts, and flying kites I was missing school and all my Saturday nights Other kids were climbing trees and rolling down hills I was singing songs to pay my family's bills Little me, growing up Broadway Little me Hello, I'm Mark Tuminelli and welcome back to the Little Me Podcast If you're not following our charming little Instagram, stop everything and go follow us at at LittleMePodcast. I'm so excited that I have Broadway's Kelsey Fowler with me today. Kelsey made her Broadway debut at the age of 10 in one of my favorite shows of all time, Grey Gardens, where she played the role of Lee Bouvier. Following Grey Gardens, Kelsey was back on Broadway playing Louise and Sunday in the Park with George. She then went on to play Jane Banks in the Broadway cast of Mary Poppins and the national tour. And she created the role of young Bonnie and Bonnie and Clyde on Broadway, all by the age of 15. So there's no question that Kelsey grew up on Broadway. Welcome, Kelsey Fowler. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you, Mark? Thanks for having (laughs) me. Thank you for doing this. I'm like such a fan of yours, and I think you're so talented. And I'm so thrilled to get to hear your Broadway story over the next 45 magical minutes. (laughs) I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much. Great. So let's jump in. How did the business crack open for you? How did this all get started? Totally. Okay. So it's kind of a long story, but I started. Okay. Awesome. I went to go see a community theater production of Oliver with my mom. And the story goes, I don't really remember it, but she tells me that I was trying to jump up on stage during the big kid numbers. And she was like, okay, well, I guess maybe this is something she wants to do. Uh, So she got me involved there. And and that theater company is called Arging Players. And it's based out of a a small town in New Jersey. And a couple of other really cool people have come out of there, uh, like Gaten Mazzaro. He's awesome. And uh, we, we were there together at the same time. And uh, and I started doing shows there. I did about 10 productions there and loved every second of it. And from there, I moved a little bit to regional theater and started doing some shows at a, a theater called Surf Light in uh, oh, Long Beach Island. Oh, I got my equity card at the Surf Light No, theater. you did not. Oh, my I gosh. did. Yeah, um, it was A long time ago. Um, oh <laughs> but gosh. did you do like surf light to go like did you do like the youth program there or you were doing the real shows i was doing the real shows uh i'm trying to remember what i did i think i did alice in wonder well i guess maybe it was yeah i'm not sure i'm not to be honest i'm not sure it was so long ago so long (laughs) it feels like a lifetime ago now but i guess it was i guess it was a youth and a regular one um and i was doing some shows there 
And I actually started, uh, wanted to get some lessons. I really was begging my parents to let me audition in New York City because my mom had taken me to see my very first Broadway show, which was Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And right. I was dying. And I was like, why am I doing this in New Jersey? I, you know, as, as an eight-year-old kid, I'm like, why am I doing this on a small stage in New Jersey when I can go to New York City and be on Broadway? And <laughs> uh, my parents were like, yeah, Kels, that's the dream of every person in New York, every waiter, waitress, like that is what they want to do. Um, and... They, I made a, I made a deal with my parents that if I took lessons every night for a year, I think it was a year, uh, at Surflight, that they would take me to New York to audition, and that that was the deal that I had to maintain my grades while doing that, and they would give me one summer in New York to audition, and if I booked something that summer, that they would support me the whole way, and if I didn't, they uh, that I would have to drop it <laughs> until I turned eighteen and could do it pursue it by myself. Um, and that's sort of what happened. So I was doing, I was doing a lot of, uh, like dance classes and some voice lessons. And it was also a program that was too old for me. I wasn't technically supposed to be in it, but when I auditioned, um, they were gracious enough to be like, yeah, okay, sure. We'll have you. Um, and it was amazing. They wanted your money, but you're very talented. <laughs> but you're also very good. <laughs> no, they were, they were really <laughs> quite lovely. And I did, that summer, so the the summer of my audition summer, right? I was auditioning, but also doing some shows at Surflight, and I I'm telling the longest version of this story, it's but it's fine. fun. I'm quite fascinated. No, it's great. So I think that my very first professional audition was for Les Mis, and it was for Eponine slash Young Cosette and Les Mis. And gosh, this was like how many revivals ago? I don't even know. 2006, uh, I think. And Not so the last one, the one before it. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so I was auditioning for that. And I think when my parents made this deal with me, like they didn't actually think really <laughs> that something would come of it. And that first, uh, that first audition for Les Mis, I got to the final callbacks. And I think that <laughs> anytime they tell this story, they're kind of like, oh, like, we dodged a bullet with that one. Like, thank God she didn't book it. Wow, we got close. And then they started to get a little worried about how the rest of the summer would go. Uh, and then <laughs> how my audition for Gay Garden sort of came about was that we were at an open call for Annie, uh, which, as you can imagine, an open call for Annie was crazy. It was complete Nightmare. mayhem. Mayhem. And we were there, and it, they were making some cuts, and they asked me to come back like two or three hours later. And at this point, my mom's like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like I, you know, she had not known New York very much at all. She's like, what do we go do for two hours? I don't know where to go, what to do. And we just didn't want to be there because there were so many people and so many kids and it was hot and crazy. So we had made friends with another girl and parent in the room. And they were like, well, we're going to this open call for a show called Great Gardens. And it's actually the adult equity call. Um, but we're going to show up. We know that there's some kids in the show and we're going to see what happens. And at the time, I was non-equity. I was a kid. And so, you know, and looking back, I'm kind of like, how did this happen? But we went and we told them that we were there for Great Gardens. And they said to the adults, uh, they were like, we aren't uh, seeing – we're not going to see any more adults today. We're going to see the kids who are here. <laughs> and I went in. <laughs> hey, that and I does got, not normally happen. Right? Like never. Crazy. And I went in and got a callback in the room and then um, sort of did all the preceding callbacks after that or the, the callbacks after that. And what happened was I was doing a show at Surflight and my final callback for Great Gardens was interfering with my show's schedule. 
And we were like, what do we do? Like, you know, it's a regional theater. There were no understudies. And I was a, I was a pretty small role, but it was necessary that I was there. And we called the director and the director was like, no, she can't leave. And we were like, what are you talking about? Like, this is a final callback for Broadway show, really? And I wasn't getting paid to, you know, whatever. Yeah. And so we we called um, Steve Steiner, the head of Surflight Theater. And my mom was like, Steve, can you help us? And Steve was like, she has to be there. Of course she has to be there. Like, I will make this happen. And we had called the girl who had played the role that I was playing the summer or two before. And we were like, hey, would you be able to step in? For this one show. And so we said to Steve, we were like, we have the girl who can do it. And he's like, absolutely. No, she has to go to that audition. Like, we will take care of it. Don't worry. He's like, I'm so sorry that there was even a bit of a conflict there. And we were like, okay, thank you so much. So I went to the audition. And that's the longest story ever. But that is how I booked Grey Gardens. And I booked it when I was um, nine years old. And we started rehearsals on my 10th birthday. Oh, that's the best. I know. What an incredible show to like make your Broadway debut in because it was like, to me, I know that people are split about it, but man, I love that musical. I saw it at Playwrights and then of course saw it when it transferred, but it was spectacular. So um, talk to me about what it was like to be in that room with those, and many of those people were reprising their roles with the exception of you Mm -hmm. and one other person, right? Yep. Um, So uh, Audrey Titchwell had created the part at, at playwrights yeah. and you were replacing her because she got too big or whatever yeah. or too fired. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I don't even remember what happened. I'm pretty sure that she was, I, I was very, very small for a very long time growing up, which of course worked to my benefit in this career. Always. But um, I know that when I went in, everybody was like, oh my gosh, she's so small. So I, I think that it was just that she got too tall. Um, but it was amazing. Now it's funny because most of the stuff that I did as a kid you don't you don't really comprehend what it is when you're in it. And so I look back now and I'm like, wow, my Broadway debut was a show that was nominated. I think we were nominated nine times like that year for the show. Or we won nine times. Maybe we were nominated 11, um, something like that. And like I, I look back and I'm like, that's that's crazy. Like that's crazy. And, and the people who I was in the room with then and – I didn't comprehend any of it when I was a kid. And I also didn't comprehend, to be honest, the content of the show. I was like, <laughs> it sort of got the general gist of the story, but all the nuanced things and yeah. even the nuanced performances, I actually just a few years ago went back and watched a bootleg on YouTube and was like, sat there sobbing because I was like, I didn't understand this when I was 10 years old. And now like Christine's performance is unreal. Like, of course she won the Tony that year. It was insane. Um, so, so at the time, didn't understand any of it. Now I look right. back and I'm like, oh my goodness, what a what a gift to be a part of. And the producers of that show too were really quite generous in ways that I I just hadn't ever you know really hadn't ex- haven't experienced since. And um, it sort of like was my standard that that we would get. Uh, they would send us lunch in between Wednesday matinees, like for the entire theater, the entire like crew. It was crazy. Um, so it was a really really incredible time. I loved it. How did your parents react to booking that show? I mean, if you had this limited time to book a show and you booked one, what was their reaction to that? I think by the end of that summer, they were completely thrilled for me because they saw how much I wanted it, how much I was working for it. And they also thought, um, how, what a blessing it would be to be able to like put away some money for college. And, um, they were thrilled for me that I found something that I really loved and that I was passionate about and that I was good at. And I think they also thought the work ethic was 
really valuable as a kid to learn something like that for sure. They were they were exactly as they said they would be. They supported me 100% of the way from there on out. <laughs> so you you mentioned Christine Emersall, who uh-huh. won the Tony for playing yeah. Big Edie and then Little Edie um, in, in Grey Gardens. Um, talk to me about what it was like to work with the cast, her and Mary Louise Wilson. Yeah. Were they too busy to worry about you and Sarah Highland, who was your <laughs> sister? Or yeah. were, did they take time with you guys? Talk to me about that. Oh, my gosh. I mean, Mary Louise was so funny. That's what I remember about her was that she was just like, like, she was kind of like the grandma who who was a little naughty and a little funny all the time and would – I just remember her like bopping me on the nose sometimes and saying things that I didn't really understand that were probably a bit inappropriate. But I was like, that's funny. Uh, and then Christine was lovely. I actually – uh, went and stayed at Christine's house one like Sunday, Monday, like our day off, of course, is Monday for Broadway. And, uh, and I went and stayed with her after our show on Sunday. And I think until our show on Tuesday, because her daughter and I were just sort of hitting it off. And so I took the car home with her after the show and stayed in her house. And it was great. I remember that so vividly. And we had a great time. They couldn't have been more lovely. I also just recently caught up with Christine, um, I'm trying to, right before COVID, like maybe in February, we went and we had lunch in the city and I hadn't seen her in years and years and years. And we just sort of reconnected through a, you know, a mutual friend. And um, I was like, so what's going on in your life? And it was so cool to <laughs> talk to her as an adult now, a adult, totally yeah. different human, you know? But, you know, those experiences you have as a kid really shape who you are as an adult and being in a room with adults that Mm -hmm. took care of you or being nice to you or maybe teaching you a little bit along the way. I mean, that comes into the fabric of like who you'll be as an adult performer. Absolutely. I feel like I was, obviously, if you grow up in professional theater or even just acting, you have a very different like childhood experience. And I have been formed as a person so much by my childhood in the best ways. Like there's really not much that I can say, oh man, like I wish, I wish that hadn't happened or I wish this was different and can tie it back to, to my childhood experiences. Everything that I've learned and gained as a human and as an adult has only been beneficial. What do you remember about the Broadway debut night, the opening night or the first preview? What do you remember oh about gosh. that? those first couple experiences on Broadway? Wow. Uh, oh gosh. I remember the abundance of like walking into my dressing room and seeing just flowers and gift bags and just freaking out because I was a hyper 10 year old and being like, I've never seen so many like wonderful presents and flowers and things everywhere. I so remember that. I remember picking out my opening night dress uh, with my mom. It was this little polka dot. We Where did you get it? I think it was Macy's. And it was like a wintry kind of dress because I'm pretty sure we opened in November. And so it had to be kind of warm. And I remember that. I remember... I don't really remember much about being on stage, to be honest, which I think is kind of weird. I remember Curtain Call. I remember like the insanity, the roar of Curtain Call. Oh, man, I miss it. And what else? I think for the most part. Oh, and the opening night party of Grey Gardens was banging. It was really pretty great. And I remember the entire cast dancing all night long. I danced with Bob Stillman a ton that night. I remember that. He was really fun. Oh my God. I love that. So at this point, your parents, I guess, are are like, she's in, she's hooked. Yeah. Like, so did they have to like move to Manhattan? What, what happened to like support your new career? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Of course. So my parents were really set on keeping my life as normal as possible. Even though I was like a kid working an adult full-time job, they wanted to 
pretty much keep everything else in my life the same. So they didn't move closer to the city. Um, we have lived in that same house actually for 25 years and they uh, wanted it to remain that way. And also I have a brother who has special needs. And so he was in a school system at the time that was really working for him and they didn't want to uproot him either. So we live about, I'm trying to think, it's about a solid two hours from the city. And um, yeah, and so I would do that every single day. I would go to school and I would, school would let out at about 2.15 and we would catch the three o'clock bus from Tom's River, New Jersey. And we would ride the bus up to the Port Authority and I would do homework and dinner before the show. And then we would go and do the show. And a lot of times my shows were always really long and they wouldn't let out <laughs> until like 10.45 and, or I wouldn't get out until like 10.45. And the last bus of the night was the 11 o'clock. And so we would go, we would catch the 11 o'clock bus home. And I would get home at around like midnight or one and I would shower. My head is splitting over this commute. (laughs) I cannot imagine how you were functioning. Crazy. Well, a huge part of it was my schools. I was in two different schools when I was – um, do, you know, a child actor and they were all really, really amazing at working with us. So I would go into school at about nine, maybe, maybe an hour and 45 mm-hmm. minutes after school actually started. And they would set up, especially when I got into middle school and, and, uh, high school, they would set up my first two periods of the day to be like gym and drama. So that like, they're like, we know you're getting those two things <laughs> in New York. Um, and so that, that was incredible. And I'm so grateful because a lot of school systems aren't, aren't built that way and just won't make those, those compromises. So it was really incredible. What do you, uh, when you're thinking about a kid who's having this kind of experience in a regular school, how are the yeah. kids around you? Were they like, she's the star. She thinks she's the star. <laughs> or were they like, obsessed with you? Like, talk to me about oh what gosh. school is like when you're, you know, a kind of child star, especially in your community, there's no one else mm-hmm. going to New York to do a Broadway show every night. This is so funny. So I was in two like very different schools. I went from when I first started Broadway, I was in a private school for about two years. And then for the the other three years of like my childhood Broadway career, I was in a public school. And I had only ever been in a private school. And in my private school, nobody really knew like what Broadway was. This was also, mind you, this was pre-high school musical. So high school musical kind of changed my life in that sense to where what I was doing became really cool to everybody else. Um, before that, it was kind of like, oh yeah, that's Kelsey. She does this Broadway thing in New York. And <laughs> my favorite thing is that people like all the time would so not know what Broadway was that they would be like, Broadway. And they would put the <laughs> emphasis on like the They're way wrong. and they kind of say They're the word wrong. wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> but uh, so that's kind of what it was. It was Kelsey. Kelsey goes to New York and like does that that thing. I don't know. She does a show or something. For, for a long time. And then when I moved to public school, I think it was also the age too, like kids got older uh, and it was for middle school. And so I guess I was about 12. And one of my very best friends was in the public school that I was going to. And we had met doing theater at Argang and she was in that public school. And I was so excited to finally be in the same school as her. And she had sort of put the word out to everybody that like my best friend is coming next year and she's a Broadway star. And so I went to that school, Southern Regional, New Jersey, and I was the Broadway girl. Like I was, I was the Broadway girl. And a lot, a lot more people there sort of knew what that meant, I think because of age and because it was public school. And so that was my identity for a very, very long time. And it didn't come, like people didn't really connect it until I, uh, was Sandy in Greece my my junior year in high school. They were like, oh, cool. So like, she's really good at this. And like, this is what she does. And, and I was like, yes, finally, like you people get to see. 
Yeah. It's so cool. Um, so Mary Poppins came right on the heels of Grey Gardens. How long did you have any days off in between? This is crazy. So I actually did, I did Grey Gardens and I had about three oh, yeah. months off. Yeah, keep going. And then mm-hmm. Sunday. And then Sorry. Sunday in the park with George. No, you're fine. And then Sunday in the park with George. And I think Sunday ran for eight or nine months. And what happened was I had been auditioning for Mary Poppins for years and years and years. I had gotten to the final callbacks a bunch of times. And they sort of just would keep bringing me into the final callbacks. And every time they would be like, you're so great. You're just too small. You're still too small because Jane is supposed to be taller and older than Micah. Or Micah, that's my brother. Then Michael. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I was always too tall for a very long time. And then finally I was in Sunday Park with George once again, was like pulled into the final callbacks. And let me tell you, the callback process for Jane and Michael Banks was intense. I actually pulled up because I, I teach some lessons sometimes and I pulled up some material for Michael the other day because I was like, oh my gosh, this little boy that I'm teaching would be great for Michael. And that packet was like 35 pages long. And I was like, oh my gosh. And the kids are on stage more than Mary is. So yeah. it's, a, it's like a very intense role. But so the process was I was in Sunday in the Park with George, got call final callbacks again for Sunday in the Park with George. And I, I'm sorry, final callbacks again for Mary Poppins. And I uh, got the call that I booked the show. And I was like, oh man, like what am I going to do? Because I'm in Sunday in the Park with George right now. And then we got the notice that Sunday was closing and the timeline was almost perfect with the exception of the date that I was supposed to open in Mary Poppins overlapped with the closing of Sunday in the Park with George by one week. Sunday was supposed to be open that week that I was supposed to open earlier. So it was kind of a little bit funky, but unbeknownst to us, when the offer was made, the, um, the two production teams and the two stage managers, they had all talked about it and worked it out. And so we went back to my agents. We were like, what are we going to do? And they were like, they called them back and they were like, Oh, everybody's worked everything out. So what happened was I was sharing the role in Sunday in the park with George and with the girl was just take over. Uh-huh. Yeah. And she, Allie, I've took known over her for whole that. life. Go ahead. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. She took over for that last week and she did all eight shows. And um, so basically for eight or nine weeks, I was uh, rehearsing during the day for eight hours for Mary Poppins, would have a about an hour dinner break, and then would go to my call time for sending the park with George and do the show. And then be back at rehearsals at 9 a.m. the next morning. And I'm pretty sure when we did that, that we rented an apartment in the city for like two months. We sublet from somebody because it was just impossible to add the two-hour commute in there. There's, there's no like way. Legitimately not enough hours. Legitimately. Like there's, it's not possible. And so I closed Sunday in the park with George on a Sunday. And that Tuesday, I opened in Mary Poppins. Crazy. <laughs> I like – yeah, I'm sweating. So <laughs> legitimately now we're – we didn't even talk about Sunday, which we're going to go back, but right. you did these three Broadway shows essentially right on the heels of each other. Yep. It was crazy. That is, that's a lot to take on when you live two hours away. Um, how did your parents handle all of that? I mean, that is, that's a lot of time management for yeah. one kid. Oh yeah. And you asked me earlier, like what changed for my family? My mom pretty much gave up her career to do this with me, um, which is incredible because it's a full-time job. It is for parents. It is absolutely, it's a full-time job for one person. Uh, and so she, she did that for me. And my brother sacrificed a lot too. He, because, you know, my mom was sort of with me all day long and, um, he would stay with my, my dad works full-time and he would stay with, um, my grandparents sometimes because we would get home so late and my dad was working. And so my, my grandpa would get my brother off the bus. And so the whole family of course has to like completely adjust. And, uh, 
it it was it was hard, but they were all for it. Like they were so happy for me. And I think there's something about being a parent and seeing your kid like first of all, it's extraordinary like to to make it to Broadway is extraordinary. And then to to see your kid who loves it so much like doing it, I'm sure you I'm sure you would do anything to make that happen. And they did. Did you feel a level of pressure because all these people were working to make sure you could like kind of live out your dream? Yeah. Uh, not really, to be honest. I, I don't think I ever did. That I means you have of, good parents. Yes, for sure. <laughs> I kind of do now, but I think that's like me putting it on myself and making these crazy assumptions in my mind that everybody expects like the world of Kelsey Fowler. But at the time, no, not at all. Um, so let's talk about Sunny and Parker George. Yeah. So this was a import from London with Jenna Russell mm-hmm. and Daniel Evans. And it was a beautiful production oh my starring my friend Ann Nathan, who is like yeah. my favorite person on the planet. Oh, I um, but so getting to do that now, your second Broadway show is also super artistic uh-huh. and adult and super smart. mature. Yeah. And everybody's like, you talk to any actor, they're like, what's your dream show? They're like, Sunny and Parker George. Oh my gosh. So um, to get to do that on the heels of Grey Gardens, yeah. what do you remember about that process and about performing yeah. that show? Oh my gosh. So again, it's like the same thing as Grey Gardens because I was I was still really young. I was 11 years old. And also I didn't I my parents did like had nothing to do with theater. Like didn't I didn't grow up in an artsy household. So I didn't know anything about like these greats of musical theater, you know what I mean? Like I didn't understand when I was in the room with Sondheim <laughs> who, who he was and what was happening. And it was like an until, old man in a moth-eaten sweater right, telling you to do things. Right. <laughs> and it wasn't until later that I'm like, oh my gosh. Like I spent two months in a room with probably the greatest musical theater genius of all time. And what what the heck? Uh but at the time, it was just a really cool experience. Again, a show that I totally did not understand, 100% like went over my head. Um, and that was another one that I that I looked when I was in college. I went to Lincoln Center performing the Lincoln uh, Lincoln Center Performing Arts Center and watched, rewatched it and re because you can do that, especially like if you're in the show, you can just kind of go and be like, I was in this, I want to see it. And I, I had so much fun watching it because I actually wrote a paper when I was in college on Sunday the Park with George because I really wanted to understand it better. I had sort of grew, grown up never really getting like this show that I was in. And so I dissected it in this like 11 page paper. And then I went and watched it after I handed the paper in. And I just sort of cried the whole time. And I was like, man, I wish I had understood what I was a part of when I was a part of it. But I remember being in the room. I remember um, I remember a lot of rehearsals. And I remember switching in and out with Ali and how we would sort of navigate that. And I remember the dressing rooms. We, when you're a kid on Broadway, they always put you in like the the you highest. You're all the way upstairs. Oh yeah, I, I, yeah. I went to go see Ali in the show, and um, so I'm sorry I didn't see you. But um, <laughs> and I went up to the dressing room. And I was like, this looks so yes. fun. Like, oh, this. we decked. Do you remember that we decked yeah. those dressing rooms out? Like she had. I think her color scheme was the blue side, and I had pink, which is kind of weird because pink is nowhere near my favorite color. But I, we did everything. That that was probably my favorite Broadway dressing room, 100%. But uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful production to be a part of. Really fun because there were a lot of cool effects in the second act, yeah. which we were hardly in at all. But it was really cool to be a part of that tech process, and the actors were incredible. And that was the show that Julie Andrews came to see, and I was on that oh. night, and I got to meet Julie Andrews, and it was amazing. Oh, that's the greatest. Oh, amazing. Oh, my God. So cool. All right. So I watched a YouTube video of you last night booking Mary Poppins on the phone. Oh, my gosh. You're on this flip phone. 
It is so, it is the most charming, sweetest little thing where you get the news, you're so excited, and then you go right back to eating your soup. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, this is child stardom. So obviously, Bookie Mary Poppins, you have to watch it. Go go revisit your career. I need to. But um, Mary Poppins is like a dream for so many kids to do. And obviously, your connection to Julie Andrews is very clear, but- (laughs) um, to get to do a show where you have this huge role throughout the whole night yeah. um, and get to do it. So let's talk about Mary Poppins. So you book the show. Wow. We know you go through a long mm-hmm. process of auditioning. Um, talk to me about Mary Poppins. Yeah. Well, Mary Poppins was, I mean, we've talked about Great Gardens, Great Gardens and Sunday in the Park with George. And my friends couldn't come and see those shows. Like Great Gardens was a little inappropriate at some times for, for you know, nine-year-olds to come and see. And they also just yeah, wouldn't no. get it. Same thing with Sunday in the Park with George. It just would go over any kid's head. And so – my friends all knew that I was doing this thing, but like their parents never took them to see these shows because it wasn't for kids. And so when I booked Mary Poppins, oh man, I mean, it was so special. I was in that show for two and a half years. I was the longest running Jane Banks. Because you're tiny. Because I was tiny for so long. And it was a dream come true. It really was. I got to work with so many incredible people. I did the show with 13 different Michael Bankses and almost every woman who ever played Mary and almost every man who ever played Bert, because I also did it on tour too. And we can talk about that a little bit, how that sort of happened, but, um, it was absolutely magical in every sense. And it was a Disney show and I was working for a Disney theatrical and, um, gosh, and the, the opportunity to really explore a role on stage and to have a character that has a start and a finish and, and has a story and an arc that was, that was new for me. Cause all the other characters, they were principals, but, um, they were they kind of flash in and flash yeah, out. Yeah. They were supporting somebody else's story. And this Mary Poppins was really about, you know, Mary and the kids. So, uh, it was oh man, I'm getting like chills and want to just no, talk so about cool. it. It was magical. You know, part of doing this podcast that's been really fun for me is talking to people who are remembering things that they yeah. haven't thought about in a while. Yeah. And it's really fun to watch your sort of face light up remembering yeah. this magical experience. So you stayed in that show for a really long time, mm-hmm. as you mentioned. What is it? You know, especially when you're living super far away, aren't your parents like you did a year? Let's wrap it up. You know, like. <laughs> Why are, you know, or, yeah. you know, the way Mary Poppins worked, it was these six month contract, yeah. but yes. you know, a lot of these kids were like, their parents, like, you got to go back to school. You cannot yeah. continue to slide down this banister yeah. night after night. I have to go to work. <laughs> so why, how did you wind up staying in that show so long and also booking the tour? Yeah. I think my parents, I mean, I'm sure there's probably part of them that was like, it's such a strain on a family that I'm sure they were kind of like, uh, but also they just they did like they supported me in the ways that they supported me because I loved it. Like there was never at any second. And they would always check in with me too, which I thought was really cool. Like as an adult now I look back and I'm kind of like, that's amazing. But my, my parents would always sort of be like, Hey, do you still really love this? Do you still really want to do this? Because it's so much work that like, if I didn't, it was so not worth it for them to be doing what they were doing. So they would always check in and be like, we just want to make sure that this is still something you want to do and that you still really love it and that you're still all in and that this is still like your passion. And every time I'd be like, yes, like this is, I'm having the time of my life. And so they were like, okay, great. Then we'll keep doing it. We will keep doing it for you because you're really good at it and you really love it. And that's, that's the way it was. It was, it was really special. Now you originated the role on the national tour. You were the first. Um, yes. So it's kind of weird. My, my experience, I think I had been on Broadway for about a year in the show. And what was happening was they were opening the national tour in Chicago. And one of the girls, um, 
it, there's a difference between Broadway and tour where on Broadway they have six kids total, three Janes and three Michaels. When they were opening the tour, they had two Janes and two Michaels. And one of the girls who booked Jane just wasn't picking up the material fast enough. And so they had to – their intention was to add another set of Janes and Michaels later. But they, at the time, had to sort of finagle things to – she was going to open in a little a little after the show opened. And then I was going to come in and fill in in the rehearsal process and sort of – uh, help them open the show. And that's sort of what happened. I came out there and I did, I'm trying to think, I think it was six weeks of rehearsals. And uh, it was it was really kind of amazing. I got to be in the room rehearsing Mary Poppins, The National Tour, which I didn't get to do on Broadway. I didn't originate the role. And so I got to sort of play a little bit. And the show was exactly the same, but totally different at the same time because staging, the sets are like night and day different. Um, and so your choreography on stage is different. Your choreography off backstage is different because you're in different theaters all the time. And so, um, so I went in and I, I filled in and opened the show with them, but then like had to, I think I did like one actual show. It was mostly during the rehearsal process that I was doing this. And then I did, I did, I don't know, between one and maybe three shows and then went back to New York. And then, um, the other girl took over again and then they added another set in after that so that it was, I'm pretty sure they added another set in. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure that they added another set of kids in somewhere down the line so that there were three and three. Um, and that's sort of my, my experience with tour. And then from there on out, anytime that there was somebody who just grew too fast or something and they needed like a fill in for a few weeks up to a few months, they would just call me and I would <laughs> go out just there. hop on tour. We'd were you doing were you rehearsing the tour while you were doing Broadway at night? No, because tour was in Chicago. Oh, so okay. I, they totally would like relocate me and go to Chicago. And initially, like my mom, when they asked, my mom was like, no, <laughs> like we can't do that. We can't make that work. I have a special needs son. And they were kind of like, we need you to make it work, whatever, whatever we have to do. And I was like, oh, so my, so I wound up actually staying, like anytime I would go on tour, I don't think my parents ever really came with me. I would stay with um, a friend who they had in that city, or I would stay with an, um, one of the other, once we finally got to like know the people on tour, I would stay with one of the other kids and their parents. And um, there was one stint where uh, it was summertime and my dad had a lot of time off. And so my whole family came out. I would did two months in DC at the Kennedy Center. And my whole family, my entire family came out and we we stayed in DC for two months and we did all of the oh my gosh, we DC did so things. Many yeah, it was yeah. amazing. It was that was a really cool summer. I remember that. And you're also the Jane Banks like official in the commercial, right? Yeah. And there's there's two different commercials and one has another girl in it and uh Catherine Doherty. And people think that we look exactly the same as children, <laughs> which is funny because we look very different now, but we totally did. Like my mom would see her commercial and she'd be like, Kels, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, mom, that's not the one I'm in. It's the other one. But yeah, the commercial was really cool. Yeah. Um, what what experience through Mary Poppins do you take with you as like the takeaway oh, from gosh. that? That's such a hard question. I think tour was really special and really unexpected and such a blessing because not everybody gets to do that. Like get to do Broadway with a show and then tour with it as well. Tour was really cool. Uh, I would encourage, and it's harder. It's harder on families. It's harder. It's just harder. Like tour is, in my opinion, it's just harder than Broadway because there's a stability in Broadway that's sort of not really there in tour. You're going all over the place all the time, but it is, it is worth it. It's beautiful and getting to see the country and getting to travel while getting paid and 
Um, it and was you're really playing these so huge cool. houses, like 5,000 oh seats. Oh my gosh. You know, the yeah. difference that I never knew because I grew up totally. in New York until mm-hmm. I went on tour. And I'm like, wait, this theater is enormous. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just didn't know that theaters were that big. Right. Because there's space in other cities. Yeah. I'm like, New York. And, <laughs> yeah. And also, you know, Mary Poppins is going to play there for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, sure. I sit on Broadway for five totally. years. You know, like, yeah. we have to get all of Arizona in yeah. to see yeah. a Mary Poppins. Um, my, so you're. Oh yeah, one sorry. of my favorite. No, you're fine. One of my favorite theaters in the entire uh, world, probably of all the theaters I performed in, was the Fox Theater in Atlanta. Atlanta it's like everybody, five thousand, and the audiences were so good. And they were like, I remember it feeling like a stadium. I remember like finishing Step in Time and having to hold the pose for probably I don't know for probably thirty five seconds because the, they just freaked out. And I was like, this is like amazing, and it's gorgeous, and it looks like an oh, Arabian night. There's like it's all, it's so beautiful. If yeah. You're ever, if you're ever allowed back in a theater again. Um, <laughs> I know. God, it's so wild. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. So you've been working for nearly four years straight mm-hmm. um, or more yeah. by the time uh, Bonnie and Clyde kind of came yeah. up. Right. So um, how did that show come to you? Yeah. So this one's kind of cool, too, because I never auditioned for Bonnie and Clyde. I had worked with. She's off her only by the time. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, no, please. Good Lord. <laughs> That's, it's insane. I had worked with the director when I was in Great Gardens. He was the choreographer, Jeff Calhoun. And um, Laura Osnes was like really up and coming at this time. She had done Grease. You're the one that I want. But um, I don't think she had. She had maybe hopped into South Pacific, but wasn't obviously who she is now. And he knew her and knew that she was playing adult Bonnie. And um, I think he just like thought of me because I was one of the most recent kids that he had worked with. And this was for readings. This wasn't even for, you know, any sort of run at this point. And so he called me in and asked me to do some readings. And I did one reading and then I did another reading and then I did another reading. And then they went to La Jolla. And when they went to La Jolla, I remember him saying like, listen, we fully intend to keep the kids in the show, but it's just an expense that we can't manage right now um, for this out of town production. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, you know, whatever. And they came back and did some more readings with the kids and more readings with the kids. And this is a fun story. When I was, this was just about when it was, it was hopefully heading to Broadway. I think it was maybe the year before, but we were really close. It was like, finally, there's like real great producers involved and we're getting somewhere with this. And the show changed so much. Oh my gosh, so much. And the very last reading that they wanted to do, they 
it, it was going to be a really chill thing. And it was pretty much just for the creative team because they had added a whole lot of new songs and they had changed a lot of things. I think they even t- took a character out or something like that. And um, But it was a really important reading. And I was in D.C. doing the Poppins tour and was, you know, he, he he had sent us an email about it, Jeff, and I was sort of like, I don't, I don't think I can make it happen. And he was like, I'll put you on a bullet train with your dad. And if you could just come in in the morning, I can put you on the train back and you'll be there for your show at night. And we were like, okay. <laughs> so I went and did that reading and went back and did the show. And, I, and nothing, like my role hadn't really changed much. And I had done it you know, I don't know. I had done so Every much time for all these readings. Yeah. yeah. And I, th- I think we did five or six readings and, and then, uh, there's so much more to that story. Like before we got to Broadway, the kids were cut. Like after, after three years of readings, we, I had had the contract, like we had signed things and then they cut the kids and I was crushed. And the summer that I found out that news, I had a whole lot of like personal family stuff happening where my, my Nana had had a heart attack and she was in another country. And so my grandpa, my grandpa and my mom had been in, in Taiwan for nine weeks. And then I get this phone call that I was cut from the Broadway show that I was supposed to start in three months. And it was just like the worst summer ever. And then like long story short, um, my grandma winds up passing away in Taiwan And my mom and my grandpa finally returned home after like two months of what they thought was going to be a a three-day long trip. And we have all the services for my Nana. And I think it was like the day after her wake, we get a phone call that's like, hey, Jeff really fought for the kids and they're back in the show. He doesn't think we can do the show without them. And you start rehearsals in a week. And I was like, Nana, like, thank you. Oh my God, I was just going to say that's so Nana. (laughs) Yeah. That sounds yeah. like Nana. Yes, right. And uh, and it was so that is my journey with Bonnie and Clyde. Like I, I never auditioned. And then you know, in there we also did a, an out of town trial in Sarasota, Florida, as well that I was a part of. Um, and it that show is so 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 special to me because of the process and because of how I saw it from start to finish, and I saw every rendition of it. And um, myself, Laura, and Michael Lanning, who played the preacher, are the only three cast members who were in it from the very first reading to the very end. And uh, it, gosh, it was so special. Yeah, I really love that show. No, I, I also loved it. I thought the score was beautiful. I thought the the direction was so yeah. tight. It was like a really pretty retelling of this story. And yeah. I sort of surprised of the run, and I'm sure you all I were. Know. Yeah, I talked to Laura about it a bunch, but yeah. You had 36 real performances. So how devastating is it to open a show on Broadway, feel really mm-hmm. passionate that you guys have created this mm-hmm. beautiful musical and that the audience is responding yeah. and then to get sort of, I mean, not to be mean, but to no. get panned in totally. most reviews, yeah. which as a kid, you're not, you're a teenager by, how yeah. old are you? I was a teen. I was I was fifteen, and I had also like been around the business. You know what I mean? Like I I knew like that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I knew that like at an opening night party, if the reviews weren't good at midnight, and this was when reviews came out at midnight. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure if it, it still is that way now. I think it's a little bit different, but like it, everybody checks at midnight, and this yeah. was like you get the official paper. You didn't really quite have iPhones were very new, so it was it was different. And and I remember sort of the whole tone of the evening shift. And it was really sad. 
But I have to say, I mean, it was crushing because we all knew it was coming, but I was desperately optimistic. Like I was sort of like, no, there's no way. Like I know this is such a special show and I could feel everybody around me like feeling the weight of like what was coming. And I was like, no, no, I refuse to believe it. Um, And then it happened and we we got our closing notice, but there was such a camaraderie about it. Um, because we all knew that it was special. And I remember the cast in those last few weeks, we hadn't had the chance to record an album. And I remember um, we were sitting down with producers and we all got the opportunity to invest in the album. And it was really uh, sort of magical. It was like we all came together to make it happen. And I, to this day, am so grateful. First of all, that I had that opportunity to like invest in something when I was 15. I think that's really cool. Yeah. And also the, the fact that we were able to make the album happen because Bonnie and Clyde has taken on a life of its own. Like Mark, when I tell you, I was in Mary Poppins for two and a half years. Bonnie and Clyde, I was in for a month on Broadway. <laughs> that is the show that I get stopped on the street for. That people are like, oh my gosh, you were young Bonnie and Bonnie and Clyde, like in New York. And it hasn't happened in probably a year. I mean, this year has been a little bit crazy, but it hasn't well, happened. Maybe yet. when you see people again, I know, right? stopping you. <laughs> but that it just like it every single time it blows my mind because I'm like, it's it's um I don't know. It gives a little bit of of hope and light back to that like really sad, heartbreaking experience. And at the time, Bonnie and Clyde was just kind of like heartbreak after heartbreak because I was cut from the show and then I was back in the show. And then like the show wasn't doing great with sales, but we were sure that after we opened, it would be better. And then it just wasn't and it ended so soon and was so short and sad. But um, there's been so much light in like what's happened after with it. I remember I got a message from a girl on Instagram this was probably one of the coolest experiences that I've had. And she was like, hi, like my high school is doing Bonnie and Clyde and I just think you're really, really great. And I'm wondering if if there's any chance at all that you could like come to the show. And I'm looking at this message and I think I was, I'm trying to remember, I think it was in college at this point, maybe a freshman. And I texted my parents and I was like, do you guys think that like we could make this happen? Like, dad, would you take me and see this girl's show? And I was like, I, would, I think that would be really cool and I would love to see it. And my dad was like, yeah, like, let's make it happen. I'll take that day off of work and we'll go do it. And what we did, though, was I didn't respond to her Instagram message. I reached out to her high school's drama director and her mom. So the, the high school drama teacher I reached out to and he put me in touch with her mom and I wanted to surprise her. I wanted her to like not know. And I wanted the cast to not know. And uh, her mom and her family were so sweet. And they like, her mom owns a restaurant in the town. And they were like, you can come have dinner on us. Like you and your dad and before the show. Damn right. (laughs) (laughs) And so we went and had this extraordinary, it was so good, great (laughs) dinner. And we went to go see her show. And before the show, um, the director like gathered the cast. And I can't remember. It was like, it was one of their last shows or something. So everybody's, they had done the whole like high school thing and they're all crying. Mm -hmm. and he's like we have one last special surprise for you and I walked in and Mark it was crazy these kids were like screaming and sobbing and I was like I think they think I'm Laura I was like (laughs) (laughs) I was like there's no way this is for me I was like they have no idea actually who I am but but it was really great and then the girl who was young Bonnie was a mess and she was like it's so good to meet you and I was like girl I am like I'm just I felt so inadequate. I was like, I am, I am a nobody, but like, it's so cool that, that people are having this. Was it so fun to watch that? Oh my gosh. It was so fun. And they did such a great job. And I was like, first of all, this is high school, like insane. My husband would never let us do that show, but it was 
beautiful and they did a really great job. And I was like, it was the first time I had seen any production of it since. And I was um, really moved. Well, the score is really very good. And then that you guys have that beautiful cast album and that you sing yeah. so much on it. Oh and God. so many kids sing picture show at Broadway Workshop. Do they really? Where I'm like, good work. No way. <laughs> yes. Oh it's a very, oh my God, we have so much to talk about it. We have to keep going. Okay. Yes. okay so go, go. after Bonnie Clyde closes, do you just go back to regular like life yeah. for a minute? <laughs> And finish high school and like, do you, and you do your school show you mentioned, but mm-hmm. like, what is life like when you try to be a regular teenager? Oh my gosh. It's so weird. So for a while, I just felt like Hannah Montana, like living two different, of course, I'm going throwing back to all these Disney references that made my life easier growing up as a kid. Cause people were like, Oh, that's kind of like Kelsey. Um, but I felt so weird because I had lived this like double life for a long time um, where I was like, you know, I'm one person when I'm in school and then I like have a career and a whole other life when I go to New York and I, things just really started to slow down when I hit 15. There wasn't a lot happening and there wasn't a lot of auditions. And so I sort of embraced it a little bit and was like, well, I haven't really ever like lived a normal life, especially as a teenager and in high school. And so I went and did my high school's musical, which was really fun to be able to do something with all of my, all of my friends were the theater kids, but I just never got to perform with them. So that was amazing. And then senior year came around the end of junior year, senior year. And I was totally terrified of what I wanted to do. I had had all this advice from every person you can imagine in the business who told me, go to school, don't go to school. You don't need to go to school. You should absolutely go to school. And I was like, (laughs) I don't know what I need to do or what I want to do. And I just know that I was really scared and I had a decision to make and you have to, it's crazy that you have to make these like life decisions when you're 17 years old, but I was terrified to choose theater. It was what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I knew that, but I was really scared to pick it. And so I had sort of determined that I was going to go to another school, maybe like NYU or something for something academic to be the backup plan, right? The backup plan that everybody sort of like talks about that you should have. And I had sort of was like leaning towards that and had sort of decided that. And my parents, probably the only parents in the world pushing their kid to go to school for the arts, but they're like, my dad took me on a drive one day and he's like, Kels, He's like, I need to tell you how our lives have been arranged in order for you to do this. He's like, we have seen like God's hand on our family in order for you to do what you have done. And he's like, and you are meant for it and you are made for it. And I'm not going to tell you what to choose, but can I encourage you to not make your choice out of fear? And I'm sitting there and I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, was so beautifully moved by it. And my dad's like, you just, you were made for this. And I really think that you need to do it. And he's like, and you've never been formally trained. You had this training when you were 10 years old, but you know, it wasn't anything That's like that. Right. Like <laughs> And he's like, so you go to Pace for musical theater and minor in Homeland Security. And I minor in Homeland Security because I was like, well, I got to have some sort of backup. And if I can, if I can just minor in a backup, like, sure. (laughs) No, honestly, if I wasn't doing theater, I think, I think it would be some, I like, I would be a secret service agent or something for sure. Oh my God. That sounds so amazing. Well, I really want to talk about the advocacy work that you do with your brother. Um, so can you just kind of explain that a little bit? Your brother, Micah is also kind of a big TV star. Um, (laughs) tell me about, 
the work you guys do together and how you're sort of helping change the industry to be more inclusive. Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, so my brother, I sort of mentioned earlier, he, we are 18 months apart. We've always grown up super close and he was born with cerebral palsy, which basically for him, it's, it's different for every person, but it affects his, his speech and his motor skills. So he talks a little bit differently and he uses a walker to walk sometimes. And a lot of times he chooses to use a wheelchair as well. And, um, He's my best friend and he's really incredible. And he acted with me a couple of times when I did community theater, but was kind of like, eh, I don't really like theater. The stage is like not my thing. And then when I started doing professional shows, I was invited when I was in Great Gardens, I was invited to be a guest on The View and they did a pan to my audience after I performed and they did a pan to the audience after I performed and my parents and my family were sitting there and they did a pan of my brother and he was really cute as a kid in this like little wheelchair and my agents called after the show and they're like, you were so good. It was so great. Does your brother like want to act? He's really cute and like he's very unique and we probably have things for him. And we asked him and he was like, yeah, sure. So he did a couple of like at the time did a bunch of background stuff, you know, on Sesame Street or Blue's Clues. And then uh, in 20 something, 2015, maybe a uh, audition for a movie came around and he got to do this like supporting role in a movie. And we were like, that's so cool. Labor day. And we thought like, what a cool thing to show your kids. And we never thought much past that because we just hadn't seen it in the industry. We hadn't seen a person with disabilities have a career. We'd rarely seen characters with disabilities written. And so we didn't think past it very much. And then a few years later, he got an audition for a television series and we were like, this is written for him. His whole, like the whole entire story. We were like, this is our family. This is our life. And we were just really excited about it. And he booked it on his 18th birthday. We found out that he, he booked the role. And um, he's it's basically like the main character in this ABC sitcom called Speechless that ran for three years. They got three seasons. And it sort of changed the game in a big way. And um I sort of found a voice that I didn't know I had through that. And that's a voice for advocacy for people with disabilities. And we saw how the show sort of changed people's lives, really changed people's lives to see themselves represented for their their family, for their siblings, to see their brother or sister represented. We heard stories from um, this one family who had three kids, one who had cerebral palsy, and the brother and sister were so like ashamed and um just were kind of mean to their sibling because there were, you know, it's, it's, it's a different life growing up with a sibling with disabilities. But once they saw speechless, they would tell their friends, they'd be like, you know, like JJ on speechless, like our, our brother's just like that. And he's really cool. And he actually has a lot of thoughts and things, but he just can't articulate them in the same way that other people might. And, um, stories like that, where you're just kind of like, this is a game changer. And, um, it really lit a fire under my brother and I to, to, to see the industry move forward in a way that's inclusive. And so we do a lot of work speaking um, at different corporations, at different platforms, schools. We go to schools and um, we just sort of speak about inclusion and the power of inclusion. And um, I mean, we've had insane, insane opportunities to speak at Forbes and Amazon and Microsoft and all these incredible places where people are are trying. And we're very encouraged by, by people trying because um, – yeah, because because it's important and it matters, and um, it's special inclusion. And we need to be more inclusive, especially in this industry. And Ali Stroker winning the Tony, I was no, it's like it's huge. I was like, oh, oh my gosh, it's, it's huge! It's you know, huge, watching for sure. with so many young people when they do see themselves in whatever that means on screen mm-hmm. or on stage, it's such a game changer for who yeah. they become. 
So uh, I think it's such beautiful yeah. work that you're doing. And you are such yeah, a gorgeous, wonderful you. soul of a human. And I can't believe this thank business you. didn't make you like insane <laughs> that you are so, you are so with it oh, and so you. smart and uh, so multi-talented. I met you at a wedding because you were a photographer yeah, at oh our dear friend yeah. McGowan's wedding and your photos are yeah. beautiful. And then I had you come to Broadway thank Workshop you. to shoot some. And so yeah. also if you're looking for a photographer friends, I got someone for yes. you. Story you have to get all your info in the end. Oh my God, we have to hit quick fire questions and obsess. So, what are you obsessed Amazing. with right now? Tell me. Okay, so to be honest, I have I've been quarantining sort of in on this farm in Pennsylvania, and our Wi-Fi connection is really rough. So I have not been binging anything. So we're making it through current- it. Oh yeah, for sure. I've actually kind of loved yeah. it. I'm like, I really appreciate this time like away from my screens and stuff. So my current obsessions are the ATV that I've been riding all of the time because I'm having a lot of fun on that. Uh, what else? I mean, we've we've been, um, we have chickens here. So we've been like, a girl, I am like a total farm girl now. It's kind of crazy. It's a whole new life I'm living. But yeah, the chickens, the chickens and the ATV. I, I love just every week on this podcast, I talk about another show I'm obsessed with. So I'm going to give you my obsessed this week. It's Please on do. HBO Max. It's called Search Party. It's Ayla okay. Shawkat from Arrested Development. John er- um, John Early, Meredith Hanger wow. are giving the most incredible performances. Oh and gosh. this girl who I did not know, Shalita Grant, is on wow. season three and she plays an attorney. It is so funny, but it's also like a thriller and it's oh, very like that. broad city meets like a murder crime documentary, but so everyone watch search party. All right. Are you ready for Broadway workshop? Quick fire questions. Yes. Okay. Favorite holiday. No, Uh, don't. (laughs) First Broadway show you saw, I think you covered, but yep. Um, did you have braces? No, I wish I did, but no, no, (laughs) because Um, I wish my teeth were straighter. Okay. Well, Invisalign, (laughs) it's all happening. Um, I was going to ask you to do, do any of your high school musicals, and we know you are Sandy and yes. Grease. So, Jack, your first audition song. Oh, Johnny One Note. Oh, great, great choice. Yes. One thing you want to tell us about working with Laura Osnes? Oh, one thing. Um, she was an incredible mentor who has now turned sister to me, and I'm so grateful for her. That. She's the sweetest. Favorite Mary and Mary Poppins. This one's going to be hard for you, but you got to do it. Oh, no. Okay. I. Crap. That's such a hard question. I mean, I'm going to say Ashley Brown just because she was the original and I was so grateful to get to do it with her and the character that she brought was. She's brilliant. Favorite costume you've ever worn? Ooh, something in Mary Poppins. Honestly, probably the robe and the sleepy thing because it was comfy. Um, If you can go back in time and do one performance of anything in your career, what would it be? Oh, Poppins. It would be Poppins. I have dreams about doing Poppins all the time. It's kind of weird. Because you did it for so long. (laughs) If you had a yacht, what would you call it? Oh, um, uh, I feel like it would, I take forever to like, when I'm trying to decide things like that, I go through lists. So I would probably write like six different names and then ask all of my friends about it and couldn't possibly give you an answer right now. (laughs) Great. I understand. Quick fire questions, not for Kelsey. Not for me. Um, Favorite favorite Frank Wildhorn impression, a song. Sorry. I'm Mm. looking at two questions. Uh, How about a dance? Do you do any impressions? Nope. Wish I could. Great. Um, What would your superhero power be? It would absolutely either be time travel or invisibility. 
Fill in the blank. My Wranglers were blank. My Wranglers were resilient. Okay. Favorite <laughs> Disney princess? Oh, Belle. Belle. Most recent Broadway audition? Mm, Doubtfire, I think. What do you want on your bagel? Oh, gosh. Cream cheese. Strangest stage door interaction? Um, people, it's hard because I was a kid at most of my stage doors, but older people gifting things was always a little awkward. <laughs> Have you auditioned for Dear Evan Hansen? Yes, a million times. Best opening night gift? Oh, gosh. Um, I got a customized, it's so random that this would be my favorite thing, but I customized paperweight that I really loved All in right. Red Gardens. What role should Patti LuPone play in the revival of Mary Poppins? <laughs> I guess. I mean, honestly, I would love to see her bird woman. I know that's kind of weird, but I think it's such no, a beautiful role. Um, favorite app on your phone? Instagram. Can you name two real housewives? Nope. <laughs> I've never seen it. Name a musical you're okay with never seeing again. Oh, no. Um, I was not a fan of Moulin Rouge. I'm sorry okay. to say. You're not, you're, it's okay. Um, if you can go back in time and see any Broadway show, what would it be? Mm, probably the original of Sunday in the Park with George. I would really love to see that. Well, you can watch the video. It's pretty good. True. That's uh, true. Yeah. True. Um, okay. Have you ever left a show at intermission? Yes, once. And I won't tell you what it is. Okay. You'll tell me when we're done. Um, <laughs> okay. what movie can you watch over and over again? Um, I love a lot of classics. Something I've really been wanting to watch lately is Jurassic Park. So random. I could watch that movie okay. a thousand times. The classic movie, Jurassic Park. Um, Jurassic one, Park. Thing, one thing you want people to know about be working as a kid on Broadway. It is hard, hard work. Do it if you love it and don't do it for any other reason because it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. And obviously you loved it. And I loved yeah. having you here on the Little Wee Podcast. You are a delight. <laughs> Tell the people where they can follow you and find you and yes. hear about all the things you're doing. For sure. So, oh, thank you so much for having me. This has been such a joy. Yeah. And I hope that everybody's maybe learned something or I don't know. They do. People uh, you, learn. People listen. Of Go ahead. Course, I hope so. <laughs> I would, uh, I am available on Instagram <laughs> at Kelsey Fowler NYC. And uh, I have a website for my photography, which is KelseyFowlerPhotography.com. And my just general info um, is www.KelseyFowler.com. And I also do lessons and stuff, which is really oh, yes. cool. Everybody follow Kelsey. Go to her website. It's a beautiful website wow. um, with lots of great information. Thank also you. about her advocacy and the work that she does and her photography. Yeah. And you can find out about all of her upcoming performances. And uh, she's at 54 Thank Below you. like all the time belting something out. So, <laughs> um, I watched so can many videos. You you You're so good. <laughs> Um, Kelsey, thank, thank you. you for being here. Gosh. Everyone who's listening, make sure you head over to Little Me on Instagram at Little Me Podcast. Uh, if you're on Apple Podcasts, rate and subscribe and review and tell your friends and follow me at Mark Timonelli on Instagram. Thank yeah. you guys for continuing to listen. Uh, Kelsey, thank you for being here and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you, listeners. This podcast is produced by Alan Seals, Dory Berenstein, and the Broadway Podcast Network and edited by Derek Gunther. For more information on the Little Me podcast, go to bpn.fm slash little me. 
And follow me on Instagram at Mark Tuminelli or on Twitter at That Tuminelli. And for more information on workshops, classes, and everything Broadway Workshop, go to broadwayworkshop.com. Thank you for listening. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs>